For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Um, a couple things, too, some huge news. Many of you know that we have been searching for our next location for what feels like decades, even though we're only four years old as a church. But we really have been praying and looking for about two years, and I'm so thrilled to tell you that we finally found our place, our next place. We're going to be roommates with Elam Lutheran Church in Robbinsdale. And yeah, it's going to be really fun. And um, so we're going to move our service from 9.30 to 10.45. Uh, you know, so maybe you late people will actually, you know, show up early. Uh, <laughs> but probably not. Um, and uh, you can find out all kinds of de the details about that by going on our website. We have a location search FAQ, and it shares why we picked Robbinsdale. And, and, but really the heartbeat of it is, that about a couple years in to Genesis, we discovered a real desire to be rooted in a community and to be good neighbors in a community. And as we were looking, um, Robbinsdale seems to be a place that fits us because it's sort of this in-between place. It's in between North Minneapolis and the suburbs. And Genesis itself is a kind of in-between place filled with Christians and post-Christians and conservatives and liberals and Democrats and Republicans and libertarians and none of the above and uh, recovering lots of people, recovering addicts, recovering evangelicals, recovering <laughs> uh, whatever it is you want to say. And so uh, Robbinsdale feels like a place that we can call home. So uh, we are going to invite you to come on Thursday night at 7 p.m. to Elon Lutheran which is right in the corner of Botno and about 40th, right there in Robbinsdale. And we're going to have a congregational meeting there. We'll get a tour of the building. We'll see the, the beautiful kids' spaces and the sanctuary. And um, so yay to that. 7 o'clock, kids are welcome, Thursday night. Hope to see you there. Okay, uh, secondly, uh, it is time for our church to plan our next budget year. So that starts July 1st. And we're going to do something that we haven't done before, and that is we're going to ask all of you who call Genesis their home church to communicate to us what your plan is for giving to Genesis for this coming year. Uh, I want you to know I'll never see those actual numbers and who gives what. I've chosen not to do that. I don't, that's probably not a good thing for me to know. I will see the final number, which is fun. Um, but we need, to, we need to know that so that we can adequately plan for next year's budget. And so the best way we know how to do that is to ask you to, like, give us the number of the, the total for the year that you're planning on giving, July 1st through June 30th. So you may need to think about that. You may need to pray about that. You probably will need to talk about that to your people. And, uh, but once you have that number, we're asking for you to sort of get that nailed down by June 10th. You can either go online, just genesiscovs.org give, and there's a link to fill out. It's a Google form. You can fill it online really quick. Uh, just again, asking you to fill out the total number, not the like, if you give monthly, don't give us the monthly number, just give us the total number. 
And, or if you don't want to do that, there's also on your back page of your liturgy, there is a analog form that you can fill out and uh, drop it in one of the offering uh, boxes on the way out. Does that make sense, everybody? Questions about that? Makes sense. Good. Uh, thanks for being in it together with us. Please pray about that and communicate that uh, by June 10th. All righty. Also, there is an there is an eat up in Edina June 2. So you're gonna want to if if you uh, live sort of around here or a little bit uh, west and south of here, uh, consider joining that eat up. You can sign up by going online, and it's a way to meet eight to ten other Genesis people and uh, have good food and maybe make some new friendships. So with that, I'm gonna invite up Abby all to read the scriptures. Give it up for Abby. Abby, I'm a little disappointed you don't have your red converse on, because today is the day of Pentecost, after all. But I don't have anything red on either, so uh, my bad. Okay, are we on there? I think we are. Hello? Today's scripture reading is Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of the Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this, and at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood uh, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Abby. All right. That was a lot of really interesting words that Abby nailed right there. Especially the word women. <laughs> that a girl. 
Uh, yes. And by the way, just so you know why we do some of the things that we do, maybe you've noticed if a male is preaching, a female reads the scriptures. If a female is preaching, a male reads the scriptures. That is a rule that we made uh, early on because it's important that whenever we open up the word of God, we hear God's voice in both male and female. So that's why we do that, and in case you didn't know that. Uh, okay, so all play question. All plays are designed to hear the voice of the chorus and not just the solo. And the reason why we do that is because we are trying to be formed into a community that approaches the scriptures, not listening to the expert, but listening to each other. And if we do that, then we're going to really get much more of a fuller picture of what God is trying to say in our generation. Amen? So that's why we do that. So first of all, I'll play question. Remember, uh, the people that were huddled up in that room, the Galileans that were waiting, as Jesus had told them, they were Jews, okay? They weren't Christians. <laughs> they didn't know what Christian was. There was nothing called Christians, uh, they were simply Jews who believed that the Messiah had come and they were waiting to uh, do the Messiah's work in the world. So uh, if your religious group was constantly threatened with extinction, the burning of sacred texts, the raising of the temple, what would you do to try to ensure that that religion lived on parent to child and generation to generation? Question makes sense? If you were a part of a religious group that was constantly on the threat of being made extinct purposefully by the burning of sacred texts, the scattering of the people, the destroying of the temple, what would you do to ensure that that religion survived? Yes, tell your story over and over and over again. Say more. Ooh, memorize the sacred texts and make the children memorize the sacred texts. Thank you very much, Mary Martin Weens. What else? Teach it through songs. Thanks, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Uh, are you an eight on the Enneagram PS? I mean, I. Okay, we, we, we don't. See, there, there, there are two different kinds of Christians in this world. Uh, those who believe in the Enneagram and like the Fight Club, uh, the rule in the Enneagram is <laughs> rule number one. <laughs> when you practice the Enneagram, you always talk about the Enneagram. So, you know, unlike Fight Club. And then there's normal human beings who say, Enneagram, oh my gosh, uh, what is that? Fight the people who are trying to make us extinct. Yes, what else? Okay, make it part of your culture, part of your everyday. So this was not a practice in theory for the Jewish people. This was real. They had to figure out a way so that the spirit of who they were as a community with God could live on uh, after being dispersed and uh, constantly being threatened. So they found a way to create a sacred text 
that was written on their hearts and on their souls. And they found a way for a temple to be able to be raised anywhere that they were at any point in time. That's what they had to do. And so uh, if you wanted to do that well, you wouldn't just do religious education. You would pair that with something that people saw every single day and every single year. So if you're going to understand the Christian day of Pentecost, you have to understand how the Jews understood that day. And the Jews had three festivals or feasts that all devout Jews would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate, okay? And they, they paired this with the agricultural cycle. So the first festival was called Pesach or Passover. And it's a seven-day holiday, uh, I assume unpaid, where people would travel to Jerusalem to remember when they were liberated from being slaves in Egypt. That's what the Passover was. And so they developed a festival, a feast, a seven-day experience marked by a pilgrimage where on the pilgrimage they would be talking about, you know, let's, let's remember the, or the time in Egypt when our ancestors were, were enslaved. And during this festival, uh, they, would have, they, they would take the first fruits, the first grain that was ripened that would eventually become the whole wheat harvest. They would take that and they had a ceremony where they would raise that up and they would say, essentially, this is the first fruits of the harvest. We are anticipating the harvest. So the first festival is Pesach or Passover. The second one is 49 days later, and that's where we're at right now, Pentecost. But uh, that's the Greek word. The Hebrew word is Shavuot, and it means weeks. But really, the 49 days between Passover or Pesach and Shavuot is called, and this is, I love this little, this little phrase, uh, but there, there was this, the, the counting of the Omer. So say that with me, folks. The counting of the Omer, which is every day they would count day one, day two, day three, leading up to looking forward to when they would celebrate this beautiful um, day of Shavuot where they would, they would remember when God brought the Torah to the people, when God brought God's word to the people. And that enabled them to be a community that was committed to God. And so during, between Passover, or sorry, between, uh, yeah, Passover and Pentecost would be this like reminder that we are craving and yearning for and desiring God to bring God's word to our community afresh again. So it's remembering Torah, but it's also 49 days of saying we need to experience God's word fresh for today. And then when that feast came, we would celebrate the fact that God brought God's word at Mount Sinai through the Torah. And then the third festival, Sukkot, means booths or tabernacles or tents, another seven-day holiday, I assume unpaid, that marks the end of the agricultural cycle. So in Passover is when the beginning of the big harvest, the, the fields are ready. It's no longer just one little ripe grain. It's fields of barley and wheat, all these things that we make really, really good beer from, and bread, uh, but especially beer. And then, thank you, and then um, during Sukkot, it, it was during the fall, it's the 
end of the agricultural cycle. And that's when they remembered, remember it's the festival of, of booths or the festival of, of tabernacles. They remembered that after God delivered them from Egypt, they wandered for 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness and they lived in fragile tents and they set up tabernacles for God to be in that were temporary and fragile. So every year, Jewish people followed the agrarian cycle of harvest, but they paired that with these feasts and festivals that helped them remember in their hearts and in their souls that they were once slaves, but God delivered them. And they were once not a people, but God gave them Torah, and Torah enabled them to be a people that were committed to serving God. And that wasn't the end of the story, though. God then led them on a journey, and in that journey through the wilderness— where they didn't know totally where they were going, they had to live in fragile, temporary dwellings because that's how life is. Amen? And that would be the cycle that they would repeat over and over and over and over again. But the key was that they, they believed and experienced that the liberation from slavery and the receiving of God's word and the wandering in, in the wilderness were both historical events that really happened, but were also things that were consistently and contemporarily happening now, and they were things that would happen in the future. So they were always a people who were being liberated, always a people who were, who were receiving God's word, and always a people who were wandering. And that was the psyche of the, of the Jewish people. And that's the psyche you have to have when you are an oppressed people group and where they're burning your sacred texts, they're destroying your people, they're murdering your people, they're scattering your people, they're knocking down your temples, you have to find a way for that sacred text to exist inside of you in a way that's ongoing. Amen? Everybody tracking? So um, we have a sacred life, life cycle that's both dedicated to exploring and experiencing the truths of God and watching the natural agrarian cycle of growth and birth and death. And by pairing those together, uh, every time a little kid walked by a wheat field, they would remember what? The cycle of life. The cycle of God and God's people. So um, this is a brilliant form of spiritual education. Now, Christians, 2,000 years later, we have the opposite problem. Our religion is not being forced to be executed. We're not being, at least in America anyway, we're not being scattered. We're not being threatened. We're not being pursued by enemies. The Bible aren't being, isn't being burned. Our churches aren't being burned down. The opposite problem we have is that we're so enmeshed with the, the institution of our time, the government and other things, that there is no distinction between who it is that we worship and the country in which we live. We, we feel like it's just all one big thing. And so we have forgotten the story. We've forgotten the story of who Jesus is and what he was trying to do. And Pentecost is a day where we can remember 
our story. So, question. If there were some things in 2018, most of us don't follow the pattern of the agrarian cycle anymore. But what would... There's still time, Joe, Tim says. What would be something that we could follow, some normal, natural thing that we could follow that would remind us of our story? That's an all-play question. The seasons, yes. So what could fall, um, and where would you start? What would the, the, the beginning be? Spring. Okay, why spring? Because it's new birth. Okay, I like it. You're planting seeds that are going to sprout later. Anyone have a different idea? You start with winter. Why? Okay. Steph said, winter is the darkness and chaos, and you have to trust that the light will come next. Uh, and she slid in some, some, some very subtle Genesis 1, day 1 language there, but, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyone think summer or fall? Fall. Why, Joe? Ah. Okay. So what, so let's say you and your family pick your own beginning, because it's really a cycle. And um, by the way, Westerners like things to begin and end. But the Eastern way of thinking is cyclical and circular. And there is no real beginning or no end, because everything always keeps coming back. So if you, if you, need to, if you want to understand the Bible, some of it is you need to climb out of our Western minds that like good clean lines and good clean starts and finishes and, and lack of messiness. And, uh, but if you understand it as a cycle, then you can really start whenever you want. What particular traditions, spiritual traditions or feasts do you think would be helpful to help us remember the story? Christmas, Why? Okay, Christmas is the beginning. So maybe we would start it in, in, you know, winter, around the 25th-ish. <laughs> we celebrate the, the seed that had been born, uh, that had been planted in the earth by God, and when it came up, uh, it, it became God with us, the first, um, the first human being to fully inhabit both God and humanity but not the last, amen? Because we are, we are meant to follow that pattern of being born of God, dying and being born again, being, being resurrected. So if you started during the winter, you could celebrate Christmas, but how would you celebrate Christmas if you wanted to help us embed this sacred text within us? How would you celebrate it? Have you never thought of this question? <laughs> Maybe. It doesn't have to be less presents, though. I mean, I, I think presents are fine. Uh, but more story, maybe. Maybe the kids would tell the story. Uh, 
what else would you want to experience? Have you ever gone to Christmas, like, Chris, like Christmas Eve Mass, at a different church that's completely other than your tradition? Have you ever done that? Um, I encourage you to do that sometime. It's fascinating. Go to like an Eastern Orthodox church, and they celebrate Christmas at a, at a different date, so you can still come to our Christmas Eve service <laughs> and, uh, and then hit theirs. But you all of a sudden hear things and see things. Uh, I was one of the nerds that watched the royal wedding yesterday morning at 6 a.m. I think I was the only male uh, in the whole world that was live tweeting it. Um, I was surrounded by a lot of, lot of great women, but I, I believe I was the only man that was actually both watching it and, and live tweeting it. But so Meghan Markle, black woman, marries Prince Harry. And so you have in Windsor Castle in the royal family this thing that's never happened before, this American black woman. And we all were, like, expecting the ceremony to be, like, you know, Church of England and prim and proper, and a lot of it was. But if you, did, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, up steps Bishop Michael Curry, who is an African-American, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. And he gave a 13-minute and 44-second sermon that everybody in the whole world was talking about the whole day. It was electric. And he preached it like a good black preacher in the Church of England. There's the queen. You know, you're wondering, what is she thinking? No, no, Sally. I actually asked Sally, Sally, who's from the UK. She said, actually, the queen is leading the country into the forefront of that movement. So like, it, it was very much like that she, you know, she's, but inside she's like, yes, I've been working for 40 years to get a black man to preach, a black American preacher to preach in the Church of England. Um, and then this gospel choir sings Stand By Me. And it was like, I am like, what is happening? And I'm on Twitter at, at the same time and all these evangelicals are like, I am becoming Episcopal <laughs> tomorrow. You know, like, if this is what that is, I'm in. Because, and it, so Bishop Curry preached about the power of God's love and the redemptive uh, message of Jesus. That he, I'm gonna paraphrase this, but essentially he said the revolution that Jesus started was about the unconditional love and grace of God given to us, and then we are a church that is given the mandate to live it out. And it was like, that's the gospel, you know? And there was not one, I mean, I didn't read any tweets that were like, oh, unconditional love. <sighs> or like, I'm so sick of those Christians spreading all that unconditional love, <laughs> right? I didn't read any of those tweets. Instead, I was just, I mean, everyone was blown away. And I think the question for us in 2018, on the day of Pentecost, as Christendom is crumbling, because way back in 313, Emperor Constantine made Christianity the institutional religion of the Holy Roman Empire. For 1,700 years, we've We've lived that out. And it started 
uh, in Europe, and now it's spreading to America, but now we're heading to, to um, having it be a post-Christian world. And some people are saying that's the worst thing in the world to happen. I actually think it's a beautiful opportunity for um, organized religion to take a back seat to a group of people huddled in a room waiting for the Holy Spirit of God that Abby just described, from the Bible, by the way, men and women. Uh, the writer of Galatians adds, um, slave and free. There's no male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile. Those were like radical categories back in the first century, which there were absolutely male and female. Males were ordained rabbis and allowed in, in the temple. Women weren't. Uh, slaves were slaves. Free men were free. Jews were Jews. Gentiles were Gentiles. And all of a sudden we read, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the, and the day of Pentecost, the new word given on a new Mount Sinai is that my spirit will pour forth on men and women, young and old. You could say slave and free, Jew and Gentile, male or female. But if that message were given and recontextualized in 2018, what other categories might we add? That's an all-play question. There is now no longer straight or gay. gay. There is now no longer conservative, liberal, liberal, Democrat, Republican. We're really stuck on both of those ones, gang. Gay and straight, let's fight about that one till forever. Liberal Democrat, woo, let's fight about that one. What? Black or white. And that's a tricky one, right? Okay, Christian or Muslim or Hindu. Like we're, we're so tribal. I believe this, you believe that. Now we're getting like, oh my gosh, whew. But if we believe in the Bible and the direction that the Bible is talking about, history is going we have to look at Jesus who was the container where the divine and the human lived, died, and was resurrected so that we, the church, could be the body of Christ in the world, the container for the divine and the human, where there is no categories. There is only those who are baptized into Christ. So 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Now, the institutional religion heard that verse, and how did they interpret that verse? Your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, don't tattoo them. Wear a one-piece bathing suit. No piercings. Make sure there's a balloon in between you and the person you're dancing with. Hey, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It it became a morality lesson. Instead of a radical reorienting of the location of the holy God, now no longer in a building, now residing in people. This is radical. But we miss it because we make it about the balloons in between the dancers. Now, some of you parents are thinking like, hey, let's, let's not totally throw away the balloons. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> There's something to be said there. 
This is not what 1 Corinthians 6 is saying. 1 Corinthians 3, don't you realize that all of you together are God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you, plural. We're about to head to the Eucharist. I think the Eucharist is the new agrarian cycle where every time you break the bread and drink the wine, you not only remember that Jesus was the container of the divine and the human who lived and died and was resurrected in order to create a whole new world where there's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. But when we take that into us, we not only remember who Jesus was and what he did, we then become that anew again, over and over and over again. We become, in some sacramental, mysterious way, we become the body of Christ again. Blessed by God to bless the world. The unconditional of God, love of God pouring into us so that we can give unconditional love away to the world. So, when you break bread and drink wine, here at church, for sure, but also around your tables, do it in a way where you remember who you are. Amen? Pour that wine and break that bread and give it to one another. And sometimes invite people over that are the opposite from you and in those categories that we just mentioned. That's when it gets super fun. You have to listen. And pretty soon you start thinking differently. Um, so, uh, the day of Pentecost is here to allow us to remember the Spirit of God's outpouring into the world, that it really happened, but that it is also happening and will happen. Amen? So now we're going to move into 60 seconds of silence, uh, after which time Deva will lead us through the prayers of confession and then into the Eucharist. So come Holy Spirit, speak to us now.